0: In their spirit. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we're, well, we are there in Galatians chapter number 6, and uh, tonight we are actually uh, concluding our study in the book of Galatians. We are finishing up um, this uh, verse-by-verse study through the book of Galatians, and uh, whenever we end a study, I'd like to kind of... Uh, Give you some data regarding um, the studies and the things that we're doing. And of course, we started the book of Galatians on April 19th of this year. Uh, So we spent 14 sermons uh, studying the book of Galatians. It's six chapters, 14 sermons. So uh, I don't know, that averages out to like 2.3 or something like that. We spent. Uh, most of the chapters, I, I would say we spent two sermons in each chapter. Sometimes we spent uh, three sermons. So uh, we went verse by verse, of course, uh, through this book. And there's a lot of great uh, things in this book. And uh, for those of you who don't know it, we have a goal here at Verity Baptist Church of preaching through uh, every verse of the entire Bible. And uh, if you've never read the Bible, then you may not be aware of the fact that it's a pretty big book. <laughs> And uh, it, it, it takes a lot to go through it. And like I said, whenever I, we finish a book, I, I do this for myself. And I don't know if you find it interesting, but I find it interesting. And uh, this this Sunday, uh, we'll be celebrating, my wife and I will be celebrating 13 years of ministry uh, here at Verity Baptist Church. Of course, 13 years um, of, of our church. And in the last 13 years, uh, we have preached, I've preached through 16 of the 39 Old Testament books. Uh, So I've preached verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. We're, of course, currently doing the book of Numbers. Uh, We've done Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. Uh, We've done a lot of Nehemiah, uh, Esther, Job, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Jonah. Uh, Those are all of the Old Testament books that, that we've gone through. So there's 39 Old Testament books. I've preached through 16 of those 39. So uh, as far as percentages go, we're about 41% through uh, the Old Testament. And that's just, uh, you know, counting every book, just, just the, the, the number of books. Uh, so 16 out of 39 puts us at about 41%. And then in the New Testament, I've preached verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Matthew, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Uh, James, and Jude. Of course, tonight we're finishing Galatians. So that puts us at 11 out of 27 books in the New Testament. So that's 40% uh, as well. So uh, that, that is uh, 27. We, there are 66 books in the Bible. And over the last 13 years, uh, I've preached through 27 of the 66 books. So that puts us right at 40% of the Bible. And again, that's just basing it off of, off of books. If you actually base it off the length which I haven't taken the time to and I'm not going to, um, I'm sure that number, that percentage would be a lot higher because, uh, you know, some of the books that we've gone through have been pretty big books like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Ezekiel, Isaiah, um, you know, there are some, some big books of the Bible. So it seems like a lot of the books that we have left, some of them are bigger. I mean, we're doing numbers right now. We got Deuteronomy. Um, you know, but a lot of the books that we have left, like in the Old Testament, are very are are smaller. Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Lamentations, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah. In the New Testament, we've kind of hit all the big books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, uh, not Mark, excuse me, Matthew, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, first second Corinthians, um, and, and and so we've got the Book of Mark, which is the smallest of the Gospels. Then a lot of these other books are, are very small. So I don't know. I don't think it's going to take us thirteen another thirteen years to finish the Bibles. What I'm trying to say, because we don't have uh, the books that we have left are not very big. Um, but but I think I, I think it's possible that uh, before our 20 year anniversary, uh, we could have gone through every verse of the Bible um, as a church family. And and when I say that, I mean me, my wife. Brother Ray, <laughs> Ms. Denise, you know, my family, because, uh, of, of course, lots of you weren't here uh, when we started this process. But anyway, we like the Bible around here. I don't know if, that, uh, if that's the point that I'm trying to make, but uh, the Word of God is good. And, uh, and, and when we're done with the Bible, we're going to start over and do it again uh, and preach through the whole thing again. But then I won't have to study anymore because um, I'll be done. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But anyway, I I think that's interesting to look at where we are are on that goal. And uh, and keep in mind that that's 13 years, but there's been a lot of like sermon series and topical sermons that are not being counted here. These are just the verse by verse, chapter by chapter studies. If we counted all of the sermon series and everything, you know, I don't know. Um, I'm not going to take the time to do that. Maybe I'll make one of the staff guys do that. But um, we are finishing up the book of Galatians tonight, and um, we are going to cover verses 11 through 18, which is what we have left. And I want to begin just by way of introduction, just looking at verse number 11. We've already talked about verse 11 in previously. Uh, but you probably don't remember that, so I just want to cover this real quickly, and then we'll get into the sermon, but in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 11, Paul says here, you see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand, and of course, there are kind of some different ways that you could interpret what he means by that, when he says you see how large a letter I have written unto you uh, with mine own hand, and when he says how large a letter, he is probably not referring to the size of the book, because Again, uh, this is only six chapters, this, this book. By the way, I, I, meant, I meant to say this, but for every, every time we finish a book, people always ask me, what's the next book? Obviously, next Wednesday night, Brother Stuckey's going to be preaching, but after that, my plans, unless the Lord changes you know, my mind or something, my plans is for us to begin the book of Hebrews um, on, on a couple Wednesday nights from now. Uh, so that's another big book, bigger book in the, in the New Testament. But here the Apostle Paul it says, you see how large a letter I've written unto you in my own hand. And uh, again, it's probably not a reference to the length of the book because it's only six chapters. It's not a long book in comparison to other books of the Bible. Um, but there's a couple of ways that you could uh, probably look at this, and, I'll, and and there's no really way for us to know, but I'll give you some of my thoughts and kind of theories. Uh, first, we could uh, say that it's probably a reference uh, to the fact that he may have written the entire book of Galatians by hand, and it would be a reference to the fact that he usually doesn't write so much by hand. So when he says, you see how large a letter I have written unto you with my own hand, it's not a reference to the fact that the book of Galatians is a large letter, but it is a large letter in comparison to what he usually writes. Because the apostle Paul, and keep your place there in Galatians 6, if you would, go to Romans chapter 16. And this is by way of introduction, but just so you can have this information and these cross references. In Romans 16, if you go backwards, keep your place in Galatians. If you go backwards, you have Galatians, 2 Corinthians, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. And then the book of Romans, Galatians, 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, and Romans. What the Apostle Paul would often do is that he would um, dictate these, these letters. So he would not write them by hand. He would speak them. Of course, we know that these are the word of God. So the Bible says that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. But he would dictate them, and then someone else uh, would write them. A scribe would write them down. Let me just give you an example of that. Romans sixteen twenty two says this, this is at the end of the book of Romans, or the letter to the Romans, it says, I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, salute you in the Lord. And if you've ever read that before or caught that, you might have been a little bit confused, but this man, Turchius, um is claiming to write the epistle of, of, of the book of Romans, but we know, of course, that Romans was written by the Apostle Paul, but what he's saying is that He is the scribe. He is the one who physically penned. So Paul dictated the letter to the Romans. This man, Tertius, wrote it down. And then at the end of the book, he's just kind of writing a little note. He's saying hello to the saints at Rome. And he says, I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, salute you in the Lord. But he's the scribe. So I want you to notice that Paul would often dictate his letters and someone else would write them. Uh, physically write them down, and when he says in Galatians, you see how large a letter I've written unto you with my own hand, it may be a reference to the fact that he uh, wrote the six chapters of Galatians physically, um, and and we'll see tonight, of course, we've already been seeing it as we've been studying Galatians, that this was a very urgent letter. If you remember, these, uh, these uh, churches in Galatia were under attack. They had these false prophets coming in from Judea, and they were spreading heresy, and it may be the fact that Paul felt it so urgent to write to these Galatians that he did not wait for a scribe to come and for him to dictate the letter, but he picked up a pen and wrote it himself, and, and he sends it, and he's telling them, you see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand, because usually the apostle Paul, uh, you go to 2 Thessalonians if you would, if you kept your place in Galatians, obviously that's our text for tonight. Um, if you go past Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, then you have 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 2nd Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 16. The Apostle Paul would write, physically write portions of the letter, but they usually be, would be very small. Let me give you an example of that. 2nd Thessalonians three sixteen, 16. Uh, the Bible says, Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always, by all means, The Lord be with you all, verse 17. The salutation of Paul with mine own hand, which is the token in every epistle. So I write, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, amen. And what Paul would do is because the Bible says that there were already people, even at the time of Paul, who were corrupting the word of God and they were writing uh, uh, copies of the Bible that were illegitimate copies that were not uh, true writings of the apostle Paul. He would dictate a letter, and someone else, a scribe, would write it down, but then at the end, he would write the salutation with his own hand. So it'd be like if I had, uh, you know, someone print out a letter for me, and then I signed it, you know, physically, it's the only part of the letter that I signed, but what he would do is he would sign, but also write a salutation, the salutation of Paul with my own hand, which is a token of every epistle, so I write, and he would write something like, very common in the epistles of Paul. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Uh, amen. So usually he would dictate, and then maybe he would just write a little note at the end physically with his own hand. But with the letter to the Galatians, it may have been that he wrote the entire six chapters by hand, and that is what he is referring to when he says, "You see how large a letter I've written unto you with my own hand." Uh, go 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 to Second Corinthians if you would, uh, chapter number twelve. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Again, if you kept your place in Galatians, right? uh, if you go backwards right before the book of Galatians is the book of 2 Corinthians. Another reference that he may be referring to when he says, you see how large a letter I've written to you with my own hand. Um, It may be a reference to the size of the print. Uh, And it may be that maybe he did not write the entire six chapters with his own hand. But it may be that he did as his custom was write down the maybe just the salutation at the end um, and uh, a signature or something. Maybe he wrote the last chapter or the last section at the end, uh, and he did that with his own hands, and he is commenting on the fact that the print is so large. And uh, if you're wondering why it would be a large print, um, and again, we don't know this for sure, but it may be a reference to the size of the print because... We know that the Apostle Paul was a man that was sickly. He had a thorn in the flesh. And it is my opinion that the thorn in the flesh had something to do with his eyes. In Second Corinthians 12 and verse 5, you've seen these verses before, but I want you to notice them. The Bible says, Of such and one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. So we know that Paul had infirmities in verse 7. Well, in verse 6 he says, For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth, but now I forbear lest any man should think of me above that which he seemeth to be, or that he heareth of me, verse 7, and lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of revelations that was given unto me a thorn in the flesh. So we see that the infirmity mentioned in verse 5, he calls it in verse 7 a thorn in the flesh. So it seems to be some sort of a physical ailment, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, uh, we know that he had some sort of thorn in the flesh, some sort of uh, infirmity that he, that, that he said God gave to him, lest he should be exalted above measure. And, of course, he goes on to say uh, that he will glory in his infirmities. Go back to Galatians chapter 4. As far as why I believe, and, again, this is just opinion, and, and uh, different people believe different things, and, and you can have your own opinions uh, on it as well. The reason that I believe that his thorn in the flesh had to do with the eyesight, uh, number one, when we know that when the Apostle Paul was on the road to Damascus and the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to him, that he actually went blind for three days. And he, he went blind, he went to Damascus, and when he got saved, um, then his eyesight was restored. It may have been that his eyesight was not fully restored uh, as a reminder of uh, the encounter he had with the Lord Jesus Christ, which would jive with, if you remember Jacob in the Old Testament, he wrestled with a man all night long. We know that was an Old Testament appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a result, uh, he was uh, lame and he walked with a limp uh, for the rest of his life. In Galatians chapter 4, if you look at verse 13, uh, Paul brings up his infirmity. He says, you know how through infirmity of the flesh, I preach the gospel unto you, at the first, if you go back to Galatians four thirteen, so notice he brings up the infirmity of the flesh again. This is something he dealt with. Verse fourteen, and my temptation, which was in my flesh, ye despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Where is then the blessedness you spake of? For I bear your, uh, you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. So he references the infirmity of the flesh in verse thirteen, and then he says that they loved him so much that if it were possible, they would have plucked out their own eyes. And I've given them to me. Is what Paul says. So the fact that he's referring to the fact that you love me so much you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me uh, tells me that he probably had some sort of issue with his eyes. Um, so again, I just think that's kind of interesting to look at. And and that's all of that's really by way of introduction. Go go back to Galatians chapter six, and um, let's get into the meat of, of of the of the scriptures that we're in tonight. And and As we do that, let me just kind of explain this. As we've been going through Galatians, I've been explaining to you probably almost every sermon, I don't think every sermon, but almost every sermon, um, that there are four major themes in the book of Galatians, and we've been looking at them. Uh, Not every portion of scripture deals with all four of these themes, but every single time that we've opened up the book of Galatians, one of these, or two of these, or three of these, or all four of these themes uh, comes up. And if you remember, I'll just kind of remind you, the themes of the book of Galatians are, number one, salvation by grace through faith and not of works. That is a major theme in this book. If you are curious about learning about theology of salvation, I mean, this is a great book to go to. There's a lot of great teaching here regarding the fact that salvation is not of works. And then the second theme is that salvation can bring sanctification through the Spirit. And, of course, the reason for these themes, uh, theme one and theme two, is because of theme three. Theme three is warning and fighting against the Judaizers. And of course, we know that the reason for the book of Galatians is that these uh, false prophets from Judea are coming down, these Judaizers are coming down, and they are trying to tell people uh, and teach the churches in Galatia that in order to be saved, they have to keep the laws of Moses and and they're teaching people that they have to keep the law and they have to add works to salvation in order to be saved this is why paul writes this letter it's an urgent letter he's getting to them and this is why we have these themes he's teaching them no you don't have to keep the law of Moses in order to be saved because salvation is by grace through faith and not of works. They are throwing it in his face that if you don't have to keep the law, then how is it that you would live godly and how would you live a holy, separated life? How would you live a sanctified life if without the law? So Paul has been explaining that, look, when you are saved, uh, the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit and when we learn to walk in the Holy Spirit, we can live a life of sanctification uh, without just trying to keep Uh, 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 A bunch of rules It is something that God works inside of us So we have the salvation The the theme that salvation can bring sanctification of the spirit Of course we have the warning and the fighting against the Jews And the Judaizers Because it is the Judaizers that are bringing in this false prophet And then the fourth theme Is that Paul is defending His authority as an apostle and the reason for that theme is because these same Judaizers are not only attacking the doctrine of salvation and trying to add works to salvation, but they're attacking the authority of the Apostle Paul. And they're saying that he's not a legit uh, 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 Apostle, and they're discrediting him, and they're attacking him, criticizing him, so he defends his own authority as an Apostle. These are the four themes that we've seen through this book, and the reason I bring this up is because all four of these themes are highlighted in this last section. It's almost like the Apostle Paul, as he's finishing this letter, he just wants to kind of recap each one of these themes, and it's brought up systematically uh, through these verses. So I want to remind you of that, and then I want to show it to you as we move through these verses. And really, what Paul is doing, and what we're going to do tonight, is we're going to review these four themes through this passage, and then we're going to do a a little bit of a review and recap of the entire book of Galatians, because these four themes are the purpose for the book of Galatians. Galatians. All right, so that's enough introductory statements. Let's get into it. We see the first theme in verse number 12, and it is that salvation is by grace through faith and not of works. Notice Galatians 6 and verse 12. He says, as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised. Only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. So I want you to notice in verse 12, and again, Paul's kind of finishing up this letter. He's already made all these arguments. So he's not going to go back and remake the arguments. He's just going to recap them, and he's going to make some final statements. And he says, look, all of these people, these Judaizers, these preachers, as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you To be circumcised. So these people are coming down and they're telling these Gentile Galatians that if you're going to go to heaven or if you want to go to heaven, if you want to be saved, you got to keep the law of Moses. And specifically, they're telling them you need to get circumcised. And Paul says, These people that are constraining you to be circumcised, they simply desire to make a fair show in the flesh. And of course, he's talking about Judaizers who are constraining people to be circumcised. But the truth is this, anyone who teaches that you have to do something, keep some sort of a a part of the law or do some sort of a work in order to be saved, what they are doing is they are making a fair show in the flesh. They are trying to show through their own works and their own flesh that they are good enough to go to heaven or that they can somehow uh, earn salvation. So when we go out soul winning and we knock on doors and we invite people to church... And we preach the gospel, and we ask people, uh, do you know for sure if you died today or are on your way to heaven? And they say yes, and we ask them, well, what gives you that confidence? What are you trusting in to get you to heaven? And they begin to say, well, I'm going to go to heaven because I've gone to church my whole life or because I repented of my sins or because I teach Sunday school or because I used to be a drug addict and and, and, and now I got victory over that or I used to uh, do this and that and I don't do that anymore. Look, when they are telling us that what they are doing is they are making a fair show in the flesh. Now, I'm glad they go to church, and I'm glad they're not on drugs anymore, and I'm glad for all those things, but if that's what you're trusting to get you to heaven, then you are showing off. It's a fair show in the flesh, which is why the Bible says that salvation is by grace, through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. See, no man is going to be able to get themselves to heaven by boasting about all the things they've done. If they're saying, I'm going to go to heaven because I've been circumcised, I'm going to go to heaven because I've been baptized, I'm going to go to heaven because I went to communion, I'm going to go to heaven because of whatever reason, they are making a fair show in the flesh. And what they need to be doing, of course, is putting their faith in the cross of Christ and the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Now, you're there in Galatians 6. Go back to Galatians 5. Look at verse 11. Because remember, we're, this kind of reviews and recaps the entire book. And these are things that have already been brought up by the Apostle Paul. I'll just show them to you quickly tonight. Galatians 5.11. Paul said in Galatians 5.11, And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Because he, he's saying, look, if because... If, you, if I preach circumcision, I wouldn't be persecuted. If I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross cease. And here's what he's saying. If Paul, the reason that Paul was hated, the reason that the Jews followed him, I mean, read the book of Acts, they followed him into all the cities he went to. They stoned him, they persecuted him, they tried to get him thrown out of the cities and get him thrown in prison. Why? Because the message of the cross was offensive. Why? Because they were saying, you have to keep the Mosaic Law. And when Paul was saying, no, you don't have to keep the Mosaic Law, everything that needed to be done was done by the Lord Jesus Christ. He paid for it on the cross. He paid for it with his death, burial, and resurrection. That is an offensive um, message of the cross. And look, today, even today, when we preach the true gospel, it is an offense of the cross. Because today, people get offended. See, today, people, they don't have a problem with us saying, it's Jesus plus your good works. It's Jesus plus your baptism. Jesus plus your repenting of your sin. But when we tell somebody, no, there's nothing you can do. Your righteousnesses are as filthy rags. It's Jesus alone, plus nothing, minus nothing. That's an offensive message today. People don't want to hear that today. They don't want to be told that it's not uh, Jesus plus what they're trusting in. So Paul brings up the fact that the uh, message of the cross is an offensive message. Look, look at Galatians 6.12 again. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. And look, this is why we go soul winning. And if you've ever gone soul winning, you'll realize that most of Christendom doesn't agree with us. They all say every, I mean, you go to these churches and they've got crosses on the walls and they've got crosses on the pulpit and everybody likes the cross. But then when you go and tell somebody, hey, you don't have to do anything. It's everything. It's the message of the cross that's offensive to them. You tell them it's not of works and they say, no, 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 no but you got to do something. You can't, just, you can't just believe. Or you tell them, hey, once you're saved, you can't lose it because Jesus paid it all. Amen. All to Him I owe. And they'll say, well, no, I mean, can't, yeah, it's Jesus, but I if, if I don't continue in the faith. And it's the message of the cross that is offensive. And, here, and here's what Paul brings up to the Galatians, and he's brought this up already, and I think it's good for us to think about this as well, is that these people who teach that you must keep the law in order to be saved, anyone who teaches that you must keep the law in order to be saved is a hypocrite because anyone who teaches that doesn't keep the law. Look at verse 13. He says, For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. He says, look, they themselves don't keep the law, Paul says. He says, they may be circumcised, and they're trying to get you to get circumcised, but they don't keep the whole law. And look, isn't that true? It's always interesting to me, when somebody tries to argue eternal security, you know, years ago I preached a sermon called uh, Logic Proves Eternal Security. And one of the logical arguments for Eternal security is this that people who do not believe in eternal security, they always have this list of things. Well, of course you can't do this. You can't do that. I mean, if you if you if you did if you did one of these things, you would lose your salvation. What's always interesting about those lists is that it's whatever they're not doing. You know, and it's just like, because they never say like, well, if you lied, you'd lose your salvation. Nobody says that. You know why because everybody lies so they always say some extreme thing that is not what they're doing they're just like well of course if you if you you kill someone you couldn't keep your salvation because it's like but yeah you're just saying that because you never killed someone but then the person who's killed someone they're like well you know but i've never committed adultery so if you commit adultery you, you see what I'm saying? Like they just—it's just whatever they're not doing. But here's the thing: if you say that you got to keep any portion of the law to be saved, then you're also uh, real uh, saying that you got to keep the entire law. If it, you can't just say, "Well, I'm going to keep three out of the ten commandments and that'll get me to heaven." No, if you're going to try to earn your way to heaven, you got to do the whole thing. And they neither themselves keep the law. You say, then why do they preach? for people to keep the law. You know why? Because these Paul washers and these, these repent of your sin, they want to just glory in your flesh. And they want to be able to show and say, look at all these people that are repenting of their sins. and Because they, they don't want to just say, hey, there's tons of people all over the city of Sacramento that are saved because they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. And they'll mock us and say, well, where are they? Why aren't they in church? If they're really saved, why aren't they in church? If they're really saved, why didn't they get baptized? If they're really saved, why didn't they repent of their sins? And the answer is, you don't have to go to church to get saved. You don't have to be baptized to be saved. Now, those are all good things, but you don't have to do those things to be saved. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. And again, Paul is just kind of recapping what he's already said, because he's already said this in the book of Galatians, he said it in a different way, but he made pretty much the same point. Go to Galatians 2 real quickly. Galatians chapter 2. Look at verse 14. Remember, Paul brings up in Galatians 2 this confrontation he had between him and Peter. Galatians two fourteen. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, if thou being a Jew. So he's going to make the same argument, but in reverse. In Galatians 6.13, he said, For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law. Here, he's making the same argument, but to someone who's saved. So he says to Peter, because Peter, remember, Peter is hanging out with all the Judaizers, hanging out with all the Jews, and they're kind of looking down on the Gentiles because they're not circumcised and they don't keep the law. So Paul says to Peter, I said unto Peter before them all, verse 14, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why compelest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? I mean, Paul's kind of calling Peter out. He says, Peter, I saw you down at the the Mexican store eating, you know, chorizo. (laughs) And he says, he says, if, 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 he says, why compelest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? He said, when you don't even, if thou being a Jew, livest after the manner of the Gentiles, and not as the Jews. Look at verse 15. He says, we, Paul talking to Peter, he says, we who are Jews by nature. He says, because they were, because they were born physically Jews, ethnically Jews, descendants of, 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 of of Abraham, he says, "We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles." And of course, he's being sarcastic. He's trying to make a point. And Paul's pretty sarcastic in his epistles, if you haven't noticed, and he's very sarcastic in this specific uh, epistle specifically, he says, "We who are Jews by nature, because remember, they are looking down on the Jew, on the Gentiles acting like they're big sinners. So Paul's making this point. He said because Paul's a Jew, obviously he's not, believing what they're believing, but he's being sarcastic by uniting himself to them. He says, We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. This is the whole, one of the themes of the book, Salvation by Grace through Faith. But notice what he says. He says, Even we have believed in Jesus Christ. Now look at the context. Verse 15. We who are Jews by nature, verse 16, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, there shall no flesh be justified. How can, he's, I mean, he's saying it every which way he can. Verse 17. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners. He says, look, Peter, you're not keeping the law. Even, he says, even while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners. He said, you're not keeping the law, so why are you trying to make them to keep, to keep the law? And then he tells the Judaizers, or he's telling the Galatians who are being influenced by the Judaizers, for neither they themselves are circumcised keep the law. And here's the point. Anyone who tells you that you've got to do anything to be saved, they're not keeping the law. They themselves are not keeping the law. They might keep be keeping their little rule book of things that they said you got to do because, you know, Catholics, are not even trying. I mean, 99% of them. But if you, find a, uh, if you find a good Catholic, which is rare, who's actually, like, practicing their religion, you know, what are they doing? They're going to communion. They're, I don't know what Catholics do, I didn't grow up, you know, they, they, they got married. That's one of the sacraments. They did their, their uh, baptism or whatever they call it, I don't know, catechism. They, they've got their little rule books of things that they do, but they're not keeping every law in the Bible. So we see this, that salvation is a theme of salvation by grace of faith. And Paul is calling these people out, saying, they're telling you to get circumcised, but they themselves, they don't keep the law. They're boasting about the few things they do. The fact they got circumcised when they were eight years old. Excuse me, eight days old. And, and he says, but they're not keeping the entire law. Go, go back to Galatians 6, verse 14. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. We're going to come back to that verse in a minute, but look at verse 15. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Because remember, he's telling them, they're saying, you got to get circumcised to be saved. And he's saying, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth. That word availeth means, it's not doing anything for you. It's not helping you in any way. Availeth anything, nor uncircumcision. And again, these are things that Paul's already talked about in this book. But he's kind of recapping these things. As he finishes finishes up, look at Galatians 5 and verse 1. Now, Galatians 5 1 is probably the key verse of this entire book. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1 is kind of like the, the verse that pretty much tells you the whole theme of this book. Galatians 5 1 stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. What is he saying? He's saying, Look, if you think that you're going to get to heaven by keeping any part of the law, like being circumcised, then you are a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. And the idea is this. If you have to keep any part of the law to be saved, then you must keep all of the law to be saved, and no one can do that. Salvation is by grace, through faith, not of works, period. Not, you, you can't boast your way to heaven. You cannot have a fair show in the flesh. It is all Jesus and what he did. Nothing else. So we see those first themes: salvation by grace through faith and not of works. And, you know, it might seem to you like we already know this and why, why are you making a big deal about it? But, you know, it's good to be reminded. And you don't, you don't know, you know, people could come to our church and just be kind of wishy-washy and watered down on these things. And, 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 and some of you listen to a lot of bad preaching on the radio and on the Internet. And, and you get a lot of crap doctrine. And it's sometimes good to just, you know, remind you about just the fundamentals of, hey, it's salvation by grace through faith, not of works, period. Right. Period. End of story. Don't come tell me, well, if, you're, if you really believe, there'll be works. You didn't get that from the Bible. You don't, there's no verse in the Bible that's going to tell you that. You got that from a commentary. You didn't get that from the Word of God. So theme number one, salvation by grace through faith and not of works. Then we have theme number two. Theme number two is this, that salvation can bring sanctification through the Spirit. Look at verse 14. But God forbid that I should glory. Because remember, he's saying they're making a fair show in the flesh. They're glorying in their flesh. They're saying, look at me. I got circumcised. Look at me. I got baptized. Look at me. I go to church every week. Look how amazing I am. And Paul says, but God forbid that I should glory, saving the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, And of course, that is a reference to salvation. But then he makes the point that salvation is just the first step. Now, salvation changes your direction. It changes your destination. Salvation is what makes someone who was once on their way to hell now be on their way to heaven. But salvation is just the first step. And what God wants is for the next step to be sanctification. Now, if you don't have sanctification, but you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you're still saved. But that's not God's plan. God wants people that are saved to be uh, discipled and to begin to walk in the steps of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul says, look, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he brings up sanctification. Notice what he says. He says, by whom the world is crucified unto me. This is the life that Christians need to have. And look, right right here, Galatians 6.14 is where we separate the men from the boys. It's where we separate the good Christians from most Christians. Because look, if you're saved, you got this. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see the comma there? The average Christian, you can just put a period there. Because look, if you're saved, you got to at least have that. Not of works lest any man should boast. The word glory means to boast. So if if you're boasting in yourself, you're not even saved. You've got to boast and glory in the cross. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's salvation. That if you're saved, you gotta have that. But the sad thing is that the average Christian. Ends there. Because right there is where salvation ends. And then the next word is what, uh, be, where uh, sanctification begins. And here's what it says. By whom the world is crucified unto me. And look, Paul says this. You know what, the, you, you, what does that mean? By whom the world is crucified unto me. You ever heard somebody in bitterness and anger towards someone that they're angry at or they don't like or they hate. They, they, they say to them, you're dead to me. Paul is looking at the world and saying, you're dead to me. He says, the world is crucified unto me. And again, he said this in other places. In Philippians, he said, look, he talks about the fact that he had all the degrees and all the accolades. He had all the success. He says, and I count it all but done. See, Paul said, the world is dead to me. He says, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. He said, the world is dead to me, and I'm dead to the world. What, what does that mean? And of course, when he's talking about the world, he's talking about the, str- the influence of the world, worldliness. He says, it's dead to me. The average Christian, is li- they're living in the world. They're all about the world. The world's not dead to you. It's your friend. And Paul says, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. See, salvation is this. Christ died for my sins. Sanctification is this. I died for Christ. Not to be saved. Salvation is Christ died. Sanctification is I died. Salvation is he died on the cross to pay for my sin. Sanctification is take up thy cross and follow me. If a man shall follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Notice, that's what he's saying. He says, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Again, he's already said this in Galatians. Go to Galatians 2.20. This is my favorite verse in the book of Galatians. One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. Galatians 2.20. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. Other places, Paul said, I die daily. He said, I am crucified with Christ. And just in case anybody would think, oh, Paul, are you, are you talking about human sacrifice? He says, nevertheless, I live. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But then he says this, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. I wonder if you and I could say that. I wonder if you could say, Christ liveth in me. I'm not talking about your salvation, I'm talking about your practical living, the places you go, the things you watch. The things you listen to, the things you drink, the things you smoke, the things you 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 give your body to. Can you say, Christ liveth in me, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Notice what he says, and th- this should be the Christian life. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. Now why why are we doing this? Now first I want you to understand this. The life of a disciple is this, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. The life of a disciple is this, I am crucified to the world, the world is crucified unto me, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. The life of a disciple is this, I know, look, if you're dead to something, it has no influence over you. See, what God wants in the Christian life is that you and I wake up every day and say, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. So it's not me living. It's not my desires. It's not what I want. It's not me waking up every day to fulfill my desires and my needs and what I want and where I want to go and how much money I want to make and where I want to live and what I want to drive and everything that is is what I want. No, no, no. The Christian life should be this. I'm dead. I'm crucified with Christ. Christ. If God wants me to give my life to go live in the Philippines, like our evangelist Matthew Stuckey, who's going to be with us this week, and, and go live in the Philippines uh, to give my life to reach people with the gospel of Christ, you know, can he do that? Well, it takes someone who says this, I'm crucified with Christ. And this is why the average Christian will never live the victorious Christian life, because you're not crucified with Christ, you're living for self. Most Christians are living for themselves. They can't say, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Why? To try to get yourself to heaven? Why? Some sort of guilt thing? Because he died for me, and now I got to live. No, no. Who loved me and gave himself for me. The Christian life is this. Paul said it this way. The love of Christ constraineth me. Why would you live for God? Why would you deny self? Why would you give up the the, the, the lust and the passions and, and, and the goods of the world to give your life completely over to God? Why? Because He loved me and gave Himself for me. And unfortunately, for most people listening to this right now, they're like, you, you comprehend what I'm saying, but you, you, you've never experienced it. Because you're so worldly. You're like, how could I live a life that doesn't care about money? Exactly. Exactly. So Paul says, look, salvation can bring sanctification through the Spirit. If you would walk in the Spirit. And he gives us the third theme. Let's get off of that one. You don't like that one. You like it when I preach against the Jews, but when I preach against you. Here's theme number three. Let's talk about the Jews, you like that. <laughs> Theme number three is warning and fighting against the Judaizers. Verse 15, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. By the way, that's what salvation is, it's a new creature. All things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. It's not re- reformation, I'm not reforming, I'm not recovering. No, no, it's transformation, it's a new, it's regeneration, it's a new creature. Verse 16. And as many as walk according to this, writ, uh, to this rule, peace be on them and mercy. And then he says this, and upon the Israel of God. Now that might seem like a little statement to you that doesn't mean a lot, but this is just Paul tr- being mean. Trying to take a jab at these guys. Because there are these Judaizers who say, we are the Jews. And he says, you know what? Peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. He's already made it clear who is the Israel of God. Look at Galatians 3. He's already talked about these things. Galatians 3.14. Galatians 3.14, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. Look, I don't understand how I can get more... I, look. I I I cannot comprehend how people go to Bible college and seminary and read biblical theological books, and they're just and they and they cannot understand just a simple statement, and they're like, we gotta bless the Jews and the blessing of Abraham and 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 pray for Jerusalem and all this garbage. When the Bible says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. And we say, hey, we have the blessing of Abraham. And they're like, you're a heretic. That's replacement theology. That's heresy. I'm like, no, it's not heresy. It's the Bible. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant. Yet if it be confirmed, no man does it or addeth thereto. We, we went through this whole, and we dissected the whole thing. Look at verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Now the Zionists right there, they're like, yeah, amen. But they don't keep reading. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. It's never been about the Jews. It's always been about Jesus. Look at verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus, and if ye be Christ, don't don't miss it, and if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise. So look, he says, look, Paul says, Gentiles who are in Christ are Abraham's seed. What about the physical descendants of the Jews who reject the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, Paul's already dealt with this in other books, and he deals with it here, but let's look at some just easy uh, uh, references to look at. Go to Romans chapter 2. If you go backwards, you've got Galatians, 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, then the book of Romans, Romans 2.28. Because remember, Paul said in Galatians 6.18, the Israel of God. And as many as walk according to this rule, uh, peace beyond them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. The Israel of God. Why is he making that statement? The Israel of God. Why, why doesn't he just say Israel? Because Israel, what we think of the physical location, descendants of Israel, is not the Israel of God. You say prove it. Romans 2.28 For he is not a Jew... Which is one outwardly. Say so what does that mean? That means what on the out, what what you have on the outside, the flesh you have on the outside, the circumcision you have on the outside, that doesn't make you a Jew. I mean, that's what he's saying. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. He's saying the physical traits of the flesh are not what makes you a Jew. Now, Paul is talking to people who are actually physical descendants of, of, of Abraham and are physically Jews. Just, you know, and you do what you want with this, but that's not what we have today. The quote-unquote Jews today, they're not, they're not the Israel of God, and they're not even physical descendants of Abraham. We, when we were in, uh, in Europe a couple weeks ago, my wife and I, we, we were on a walk, and I think my kids were with me. I can't remember. But we see this, this guy, I don't know, rabbi or something, he's got like the black, the black suit with the, you know, looks like Abraham Lincoln with the black hat and the little curls coming down. And he's got this flock of like little Jewish kids with him. And there's like five little kids and they all got, you know, the, 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 the hair and the little whatever and they're walking down the street. And, and I thought to myself, I wonder if these kids ever look in the mirror and they think and they ask themselves, you know, I'm a Jew, but I wonder why am I white? Because they were all white, like blonde, blue-eyed. I think there was a redhead. And it's like, you're not Middle Eastern. You're a white person. Blue eyes, redhead, you're, you're like Irish, okay? You're not, you're not a Jew. But because the Jews today, they're not even physical descendants of Israel. And again, I don't have time. to. You can study that on your own. But Paul's talking to people who are actually physical descendants of Israel. They were probably brown, okay? Like I'm talking about Middle Easterns. Look at Brother Shaw, all right? <laughs> Romans 2:28. He's not a Jew, not even close. He's like the enemy of the Jews. Romans 2:28. "For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh." Look at verse 29, "But he is a Jew which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit and not the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. You say, who are the Jews? Well, we're all one. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed? There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you're all one in Christ Jesus. So the Bible says, look, don't tell me about your physical ethnic descendancy. Little redheaded, blue-eyed kid trying to tell me you're an ethnic Jew. I don't care about that. He is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Go to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, look at verse 6. Romans 9, 6. Romans like 6. Not as though the word of God had taken none effect. Romans 9, 6. For they are, notice what he says. For they are not all Israel which are of Israel. I mean, what does that mean? Because remember, Paul said, hey, it's the Israel of God. He says, they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Remember, the name Israel, Israel is referring to a man. Jacob was renamed Israel. He had 12 sons who were the 12 sons of Israel who became the 12 tribes of Israel. And here's what Paul is saying. They are not all Israel, the nation, who are of Jacob. The word of means they're coming from. He says they are not all Israel who are of Israel. Here's what he's saying. Just because you are a descendant of the man Israel does not make you Israel. Verse 7. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham. Just to be real clear. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham. Just because, just because Abraham, according to these people, had a bunch of blonde-haired, blue-eyed Descendants, apparently. He says, Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all the children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. How can you get any more clear than that? That is, they which are the children of the flesh, the physical descendants of Israel, of Abraham, are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. And look, in Galatians, he talked about Isaac and being a child of promise versus Ishmael and being a son of the bondwoman. So it's clear. He's warning and fighting against the Judaizers. And look, Jews are unsaved people, and we ought to love them and and try to get them saved just like anyone else. You you say, well, it sounds like you you hate the Jews. You know, I hate the Jews' religion because it's a false religion. But the individual, you know, we ought to try to get Jews saved— but, but we ought to try to get Muslims saved. We ought to try to get Hindus saved. And we ought to try to get a bunch of Americans who think they're Christians saved. Do you understand what I'm saying? But, but today Christianity wants to act like, oh, the Jews are some sort of special people. No, no, no. The special people are the Israel of God. The ones that are in Christ. They are not all, of, uh, not all Israel who are of Israel. Go back to Galatians 6.17. I got to get off of that because that's how I got kicked off of YouTube. YouTube. (laughs) Um. Then the last one, theme four. Defending Paul's authority as an apostle. This is probably my favorite one. Verse 17. He says, from henceforth, let no man trouble me. For I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Now what is he saying? Well what he's saying is that Paul has dealt with a lot of persecution. When he says I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus, he says like look, you can look at my body and you'll see the marks of the Lord Jesus because of the fact that he's been beaten and he's been persecuted and I'm and he's been and I'm sure he has all sorts of scars and things that he says, these are the marks of the Lord Jesus. Let's run a couple verses. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We could look at a lot of passages. I'm not going to take the time to do that. I'll just take you to an easy one. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty 23. 2 Corinthians 11, 23. Are they ministers of Christ? This is Again, because Paul had to defend himself a lot in the ministry and defend his authority. And here in 2 Corinthians 11, he's defending himself again. Against people attacking him. He says, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. He says, are they ministers of Christ? He says, I know what I'm about to say is kind of foolish, and we shouldn't be boasting and bragging, but these people are attacking me. So he's saying, you want to compare notes? Let's compare notes. This is what Paul's saying. Are they ministers of Christ? You want to compare notes with me, Paul's saying, to these people attacking his authority as a leader? As a spiritual leader, as an apostles, an evangelist, as a church planner, he says, "Are they ministers of Christ?" He says, "I am more." You want to compare notes? Paul says, "He says, in labor more abundant." So you want to compare work? I work. I work harder. In stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths of of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. He said, five different times they whipped me. Thirty nine times, save forty stripes, save one thrice was i beaten with rods once was i stoned he said they took stones and threw them at me till they thought i was dead thrice i suffered shipwreck a night and a day i have been in the deep in journeys often in perils of water in perils of robbers in perils of my own countrymen in perils by the heathen in perils of sin you want to compare notes and perils in the wilderness, and perils in the sea, and perils among false brethren, and weariness and painfulness, and watchings often, and hungers and thirst, and fastings often, and cold and nakedness. Paul says, so, so look, go back to Galatians 6. When he says, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus, that's what he's talking about. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, five times received I forty stripes, save one. She said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Now, you say, what is it that Paul is saying when he says, let no man trouble me? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, back off. He's saying, he's saying, you know, you need to back off. He's ending this this book, and he's telling the Judaizers, back off. I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. And here's the thing about this book is that Paul has been very hostile pretty much this entire book. Let me just give you exa- a couple examples. Galatians 3, look at verse 1. Galatians 3, 1. Oh, foolish Galatians. I mean, he's, call- he's calling them fools. Oh, foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Look at verse 3. Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? This has been a very hostile book because Paul's pretty... Angry. He's upset. He's upset that these Judaizers have came to the churches that he started, and they began to spread false doctrine, adding works to salvation, telling people they have to keep the law to be sanctified, and they are attacking him in the process. He's upset at them, but he's also upset at the, at the uh, Galatian believers for accepting it. He's been pretty hostile. So when he says, Galatians 6.17... From henceforth, let no man trump me, for I bear in my marks the body of the Lord Jesus. He's saying, you need to back off. You need to step back. Paul's saying, look, I've been through some things, and I don't want to hear it from you. And you, you may not like that, but it, it's the Apostle Paul. One of the greatest Christians who ever lived. And you know, obviously, I would never even in a million years try to compare myself to the Apostle Paul in any way, shape, or form. But I'll say this: I, I feel like I can understand a little bit how Paul's feeling, because you know, on Sunday my wife and I will be celebrating 13 years of ministry, and we've gone through some stuff. I mean, I think I've, I think we've proven over the last 13 years that we we've fought some battles, we've been persecuted, we've had we've had we I'm not I'm not saying that we're the Apostle Paul or we've dealt with what Apostle Paul, but we've dealt with more than the average pastor in this country. And sometimes when some young punk shows up and they're like, I want to debate with you about calling upon the name of the Lord. I just want to say, like, back off. Amen. I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let no man trouble. You know, sometimes you just want to tell people, like, hey, look, I've been through some stuff. Just shut up. I don't care. Go, go get a thousand death threats and then we'll talk. I mean, that's what Paul's saying. So, I, you know, again, I'm not comparing myself to Paul, but Sometimes, I, you know, if you ever feel like I'm like, look, shut up, just shut up. I don't care. I don't care what you think. I've been doing this for a long time. We've suffered some things. We've got some things. You just showed up last week. You haven't even read the Bible one time. Shut up. And this is what Paul's saying. Let no man trouble He said, from henceforth. He said, I don't want to hear this. He's doing the relations. I don't want to hear this anymore. From henceforth, let no man trouble me. And Paul says, I've earned the right to have that bad attitude because I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. And you say, I don't like that. It's probably because you're a punk. But then he ends in verse 18 with this benediction. And it's interesting because, Paul, you know, he's like, back off. And then he ends with this graceful, you know, spiritual benediction. He said, what is a benediction? It is an utterance or bestowing of a blessing, especially at the end of a religious service. He ends the book. He's gone through the themes. Salvation by grace through faith, not of works. He's dealt with this the entire book, but in the last few verses, he's just kind of recapped it all again. Salvation by grace through faith, not of works. Not a fair show in the, faith, in the flesh. Not boasting and bragging. They themselves who tell you to keep the law, they themselves don't keep the law. Salvation can bring sanctification through the Spirit. Paul says, I am crucified to the world and the world is crucified to me warning and fighting against the judaizers he says you know what i bless the israel of god i'm not going to promote a bunch of ethnic israelites so-called israelites he says the people of god are the israel of god by the way that's why jesus in the book of revelation he talks about jews that are not jews they say that they are jews but are not and are the synagogue of satan but Paul says, look, I'm, I'm done with these Judaizers. He said, I bless the Israel of God. And then he defends his, he defends his authority by just saying, I've fought more battles than you've fought. I've started more churches than you've started. I've, I've trained more soul winners than you've trained, so back off. And you know what? You may not like me saying it or Pastor Anderson saying it or whoever's saying it. But sometimes I tell people, I've started more churches than you've started. I've led more souls to Christ than you've led. I've discipled more souls. You go, well, no, I've led a million souls to Christ. Yeah, it's funny how you've led a million people to Christ and yet no one. Because I can point to many people in this church that I knocked on the door, got them saved, got them baptized, and they're still here. I always think it's funny how people, well, I go, every time I go soul winning, I get 30 people saved. Well, oh, look, salvation is by grace through faith, and they don't have to come for me to be impressed, but b- before you start telling me how to run a church, bring somebody, impress me. I- I'm just saying, back off. I'm not going to take crap from you. I've gone through some battles, we've gone through some things, and that's what Paul's saying. He says, let no man trouble me. He said, I'm done with this conversation. For I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus and then he gives a benediction. He says, "Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit." Amen. See, I don't like the sermon. Well, let me say to you what Paul said: "The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit." Amen. Inspire heads and I will to prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this book, Book of Galatians. Such an important book because Paul's really just. Earnestly contending for the faith. He's going to battle. And he's not happy. And sometimes we we gotta fight. We gotta fight for the the truth. We gotta fight for the word of God. We thank you for the study, verse by verse, learning it. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to continue to study the Bible, apply these things to our lives. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to have Brother Moses come up and lead us in a final song. Just one.